Hello and welcome to, that, uh, welcome to the Under the Skin. How many there's do you need? How many definite articles can we have? Under the Skin's from Luminary Podcasts, and I'm Russell. And this week I spoke to Yusef Cat Stevens. He is a British singer-songwriter and multi-instrumentalist. His musical style consists of folk, pop, rock, and in his later career, Islamic music. He's one of the most successful and beloved artists of the 60s and 70s, but left his musical career behind to devote himself to educational and philanthropic causes in the Muslim community. He's been ordered two honorary doctorates and the Man of Peace Award for his humanitarian work. He was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2014. This year is the 50th anniversary of his iconic album, Tea for the Tillerman, and Yusef Cat Stevens is set to release the re-recorded and reimagined Tea for the Tillerman on the 18th of September. And I must say, it was a beautiful conversation with a very calm, serene, wise, gentle, loving and brilliant man. Here's some comments from a recent podcast we did with John Hagelin, the quantum physicist, Frusia1104. Wonderful conversation. Thank you very much for this. Yeah, oh, you're all right, mate. Pauline has a sh- a- IHV. Paulina Hash... Hmm. Paulina Hash... Well, look, it's complicated. Paulina Hash... Paulina Hash... That's who I think you are. I respect John Hagelin and listen to all his seminars and I love you, Russell. This was such a nice surprise. Paulina Hash... I hope I'm saying your name right, but I can't be because it doesn't sound like a real sound I'm making at points during it. Ampercell 7000. I feel like I've read things from you before. Listen to it hung on every word I do TM and when I transcend I do experience a unity with everyone and everything in the universe well that's bloody lovely and Deb Trix said it was a wonderful podcast well I hope you enjoy this conversation with Yusef Cat Stevens as much as you enjoyed that and as much as I enjoyed speaking to a very beautiful and gifted man trying to achieve equality with the annihilation of category is not no, a successful that, route yes, that's, that, that's exactly right we're in this era where it turns out we were never the boss it doesn't look like an ideology What's beneath the surface of people we admire, of the ideas that define our time, the history we are told? And welcome to Russell Brand Under the Skin. Yusuf, thank you very much for coming on Under the Skin. I'm very interested to learn more about your rather unique industry through the music industry and your realization of yourself as a spiritual being. It must have been extraordinary. How, how come you're? Um, what's happening now? What are you, why are you returning to music now, or at least uh, why are you um, re-releasing uh, Tillerman? Well, um, Tillerman is just—it's—it's a kind of—it's um, an iconic, um, you know, al- album which uh, which I made and which actually represents probably the best part of my, well, not the best, but I mean, a very significant and profound part of my journey, you know, towards where I am today. And so a lot of the songs are incredibly relevant, of course, because I wrote them and I was writing them during a period of um, of deep search, you know, of searching for, um, for me, actually. <laughs> I didn't quite know that's what I was doing, but that's what I was doing. And... Um, and uh, and so Tillerman is like for a lot of people it, it kind of resonates, and um, you know this is not meant to be an ad for my new album, which by the way is called T for the Tillerman Number Two, but um, but we are we are more interested in in kind of and um, what it says, you know, in what it says, it continues to say. Yes, before you recognised that 
the essence of your journey was one of self-realization. What did it feel like it was defined by? First of all, it was like I needed to get a living, you know, like all of us growing up. I like grew up in the middle of the West End. Um, you know, I've lost my Cockney accent by now. You can understand. You no, can it's still it. there. You get that, right? So, um, but, but, um, and, and what were the things, you know, the things I went to like uh, Roman Catholic school. I was Greek Orthodox, so I shouldn't really have done that, but I did. And, um, and, and you know, and I had six years in, in that, um, in that school. And that's, that's quite dramatic. You know, if you think um, six years in a Roman Catholic school drilled every day. <clears throat> you know, so um, I definitely got a moral training at that point. But then around me, of course, I was in the West End. And so there were like, everything was happening. You know, this was like it. This was where people come to spend their nights and they even have a great time. Well, I lived there. And so, and so it was, um, so I had these two things, you know, it was the, obviously there was this spiritual thing, which I was learning in the school. Um, and there was the maths and everything else went along with it. Like things which you need to, to get a job, you know, whatever. <clears throat> and, uh, and at the same time, I was looking at everything that I wanted in this world, which was outside. And, um, and that, that's basically my, my first motivation was to get rich. <laughs> you know, you know. Yes, I understand that. The, the uh, spiritual education that you received in your childhood, um, I, I wonder how, uh, about its efficacy, given that you had to undertake a very... Uh, a personal spiritual journey and that the destination ended up being quite specifically different given that you've had sort of experience of grief greek orthodoxy because of your indigenous family's faith your education as you've just explained was roman catholic and you are now famously muslim uh, how do you what do you think was lacking in the spiritual education of your childhood and indeed would you even say it was a spiritual education um, it was a religious education. I would say the spiritual was left up to me. I think it's like, you know, what because I wasn't able to partake in all the things like the um, communion and things like that. Mm -hmm. So I had to take a sort of observer status. And uh, from that point of view, I, I could see what's going on, but it was all happening within me. So, and I don't think I ever doubted um, the existence of God. You know, I don't, you know, it was how to connect, how to connect. That was the big problem. It was like, you know, because you've got these statues, you know, quite a lot of statues in the Catholic churches. And then you're looking at these things, you're waiting for one to make a move, you know, and, um, and it doesn't move. So then, then you're looking deeper. Um, well, I did, I, you know, the other point that, that, that really I would say was important ignition, so important, I would say, would be the... Um, the fact that I realized that one day I'm going to die. You know, we're all going to die. So, um, like many, probably you did it too. You, you know, you lie down on bed, you shut your eyes, you imagine yourself being dead. And um, I didn't have any answers to that. And, and I, weren't, I wasn't really feeling as if I was getting all the answers from, from school because now we had science coming on and telling us, you know, there's billions and billions of, you know... Um, planets and uh, not planets but stars and and uh, celestial bodies and planets and uh, and so you know the possibility of science you know telling you what it's all about it was all that going on and then i think my bit first big 
big moment came when I was climbing the roof of the Shaftesbury Theatre, which is just across the road from me, and um, with my pal, Andy. And um, at one point, you know, he made a, a very daring jump, and that was fine. But I was like, I was more scared and a little bit petrified about this. So, so I tried to take a kind of a more, a safer way across. And at that point, there was, a, there was a moment when suddenly I felt myself slipping. Andy grabbed my hand, you know, and pulled me up. But that was like a big lesson. And it meant that I had to get to know a little bit more about what could have happened after that. Um, and so I think the incentive, the, the incentive that death gives us, you know, as, as a, we're the only, one of the only creatures we think we know um, that can contemplate our own end, you know. So that, that was a very important part of the journey. I suppose the chief function of spirituality is to prioritize and make real, as it were, concretize these abstract ideas such as what is consciousness, what is it to be a human being, what is it to be confronted with mortality. These, um, in an increasingly secular environment, those questions are kind of well they're not neglected they're answered nothing happens there is nothing there is only the material world that's all that's real it seems like you're a person that's always had a, a i would argue all people have a spiritual dimension of course but you have seemed to have been particularly spiritually incentivized in the early part of your career like when you were supporting Jimi hendrix when you were first experiencing success was there ever a point where you felt that that might address the yearning vacancy and sense of inquiry that you were living with it certainly satisfied one aspect which was you know to get famous and, and to be appreciated to be loved you know so we all we all want that that's great we got that but um but no it didn't really satisfy me and i, and I had to do a lot of you know, I had to drink a lot or do something to, to get my, to get enough guts, you know, to get on stage and do the thing that everybody expected you to do. So, um, and you mentioned Jimi Hendrix, so that was one of my, you know, <laughs> defining moments, uh, I think, as, along the path when, when I was, when I went to um, his bass player's flat in, in, um, in um, Clapham Common, and he gave me this like piece of LSD. And hang on, somebody's trying to ring me, I'm getting rid of this thing. I'm trying to record this thing at the same time. But anyway. It's probably MI5 if you're <laughs> confessing to I'm not tripping confessing with the greats. <laughs> okay, so, yeah. That's, well, anyway, that was just, but, you know, what I meant was everything was unstable. It was extremely un unstable. And, and I wanted to find some firm ground. But even my songs weren't sounding like me anymore, you know, because we had to go through arrangers and session men, um, you know, playing your music and uh, producer and everything. Anyway, so that career more or less hurdled, you know, into a hole uh, when I contracted uh, TB. And suddenly it was, it was at an end. I, that was my career, finished. It was over. Because, you know, nobody's going to wait for me to come out of hospital. It was going to take a year or so, well, I mean, to get well. So that was the point where... I started really thinking much deeper about where I wanted to go and to take control as much as I thought I could of my life and my music, because music was 
was me. It was my expression. It was the way. It was everything that I, I, I used to propel me, you know, forward, um, materially and spiritually. So therefore, that when I came out of hospital, and by the way, in hospital, that's where I started reading something other than Christianity, you know, like Buddhism. And um, and that was that was very 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 important because there was no dogma here, there was no church, there was no like you know incense and rattling of bells or anything like that. It was me contemplating, you know, myself and who I was and what life is, and 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 that got very serious. It made a massive imprint. On, on what I was to do for the next, I don't know, seven years or whatever, you know, in, 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 in my life. And um, so I started, after that, I started writing these songs. And, and that's what you can hear on, like, Mona Bone Jack and Tea for the Tillerman. All these searching, um, you, you know, questions and, and songs, lyrics which were, which, which were helping me. And, and I was, at the same time as I was writing, I was listening to them. So somehow this inspiration which, which came to me you know, was 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 was, uh, was what it is. Did it feel like a, a lonely time for you as you ventured into sp- spiritual investigation? Once you had that sense that the fulfilment provided by success and by fame and by money was going to be limited in its capacity to to operate as a salve. And what about the kind of people you were hanging with? Did you were, did it feel like crisis? Did it feel like loneliness? How how did it feel that period where you had some access to spirituality and it was informing your work, but you, it's from what you have just said, at least was some uh, it was novel to you. Um, I can give you a very simple example. When I was there, I was visited by Andrew Lou Goldham. I think he'd been an admirer of me, and he, he loved my songs and. We'd had a hit with First Cut is the Deepest with P.P. Arnold. And anyway, he came up, he came in his big Rolls Royce. And I was like in hospital, you know. And, and then so we went out for a little ride. And he offered me, you know, a bit of a spliff, a bit of weed. And uh, I said, oh, no, thank you. I'm actually trying to get myself, you know, a bit healthy here. And um, so I was able now to say no to whatever I wanted. Um, you know, and, and, and for sure, um, people were still interested in me and, you know, wanted me to do something. But I was very careful about what my next step was. And, and, and this, because I was, I, was, I was finding something really very special. I wasn't feeling alone. I was no, far from it. Um, I felt like I was, I was really um, experiencing life. Um, then I made, you know, I had some friends and this and that. We did this and that. And in the end, I'm not saying in the end, but then very soon after that, I met somebody who introduced me to somebody, and that was Chris Blackwell. And he started listening to all these songs that I've been writing. He said, "Oh my God," you know. He didn't say that, but you know, that's what he felt. And um, and he signed me up to Island Records. And and then then the world started to get to know what what I was thinking. And what I was saying. Yes, and how? What was that period of your life like? The period of your life that, in, at least in commercial terms, were the 
most uh, fruitful? What did that was that fulfilling? It it was. You you were used. It's great to see you know that the people are appreciating what you're doing. I mean, uh, we were going around at that time. My first single was like Lady Dub on Feel. And, uh, you know, that was suddenly riding high in the charts and suddenly I'm there along with Free doing their thing, Mungo Jerry doing their thing. <laughs> and I'm there to this quiet sort of madrigal thing called uh, Lady Dublin, inspired, by the way, I would, I would say, by Peter Green, an awful lot. God bless him. Um, so anyway, this, this happened. And then, of course, the next album really did it. And that was Tea for the Tillerman, because then it was like Wild World and father and son, and suddenly everybody, you know, got to know Cat Stevens. Yeah. And then, but presumably this, was, again, was, uh, in terms of personal fulfillment, limited, but certainly in comparison to the your ongoing spiritual journey, because you made what, in retrospect, still seems like a radical decision to convert to Islam, to change your name, and to... Uh, sort of the, the renunciation of fame in a sense it's a, it is a, an apostasy of type because in an economic and materialistic society to renounce fame the sort of the one of the great uh, sort of icons of, of our systems of our secular faith is an, an act of yeah secular apostasy I'm happy with that bit of language so like even today it seems like a controversial thing perhaps like um, Islam has become more maligned in the sort of anglophonic west since then but did you have a, an awareness of how controversial what you were doing was well that came of course later um, but uh but I was, I was, I was, um, I was daring. I would say, in in as much as I was able to pass through certain thresholds, which had been placed there by you know whoever and whatever, and, and your your circumstance, your social surroundings, and your your upbringing, your culture. You know, um, I, I wasn't English, but I was. But then, you know, my mm. father was Greek, my mother was Swedish, and you know, and I, you know, I was kind of a free spirit. Uh, I didn't really belong to anything. And that was very important, I think, for my... And the same as what I was in school, you know, it was like I wasn't really in church with everybody else doing what they were doing. So um, that gives you a hint of why I was able to, at, at a certain point when I was given some sight of another way of looking at, at God, um, that, that was what enabled me to go forward and 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 that is that is the most important thing i think one of one of the i think one of the greatest discoveries was for me to find you know a, um well with islam it was like to find a religion that was devoted entirely to god um i didn't have to become a jew i didn't have to become you know i didn't have to become a monk or a priest it was it was actually the thing that opened my heart when I read the Quran, which was about 1975, so about five years later after after Tilaman, um, was when I came upon the, the the story of Joseph, and and it was a, that story. The same thing. I mean, we've got all the prophets are in in the Quran, by the way. I'm sure you know that, and maybe some people don't, but you know, we're getting to know. And 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 Prophet Joseph was was 
was like he'd gone through all these changes. And of course, at, at a certain point, people didn't really know who he was. And he was a slave and you know, he, was, he was sold as a slave. And finally, he, he got his way out of there. And then he made it to the rich house. It was all this. And I found so much semblance um, with his story. And at one point, when, when the brothers came to Egypt to get their food, and he was in charge of all the treasure, you know, the stockhouses. And, um, and when they said something bad about him, they didn't know he was facing them. He, he broke down. He broke down with them, but he didn't show them. And it was that where I realized that who I was, that I wasn't what people maybe make make me out to be or what I made my, myself out to be. I was, and that's why I chose the name Yusuf, by the way, in the end, this is Joseph, you know, because I broke through. And, um, and I was given so many, so many enlightening, you know, stages along this journey. I was just so grateful to, to get, to find this religion that where I could devote myself to God and, uh, and wow, that, that was my, that was, well, that, that again, of course, is the beginning of what happened next. But, but you know, because there's a lot that goes on after that. Because a lot of what, um, you know, I, uh, of what I know about your life, um, I, uh, other than, you, you know, your musical genius, I, I identify with as like now oh, this is what it's like to feel alienated as a kid this is what it's like to feel like you never fit in this is what it's like to become famous and to recognize that fame isn't fulfilling this is what it's like to put together a personal ideology made up of hinduism buddhism yoga christianity folklore mythology and to deify and worship in a sense your own art in my case comedy and in, obviously in your case um, famously music um, but the 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 transition the conversion the the devotion to to follow a one faith and that that that's what what is it in particular about islam that called to you particularly as given but you know as you've explained that like the story of joseph is like an old testament story also and why what is it particularly about the and nature of Islam that you feel contacted you? Well, I, I, I certainly wouldn't have been able to accept Islam if it, if, it was, if it was like full of superstitions and things and things which couldn't relate to the real world, right? And that, I would say, is the key. Because when I started reading the Quran, one of the things that just I woke up to was the Quran is full of directives to make you think, not to make you follow rituals, but to make you first of all think. So then it talks about, for instance, and I don't know any other scripture that does it to this degree, you know, where it points you to the sun, it points you to the moon, it says, these are creations of God. And the night and the day is a miracle. You know, and our, the fact that water falls and, and, and produces fruits and, and animals eat those grass and, and greenery and everything, all this is like signposts telling you that there is 
a creator and an, an almighty intellect behind everything that you see right there in front of you. That's very, very important. Because it didn't mean I had to you know, believe some kind of unseen you know, uh, um, dogma without having perfect evidence <laughs> in front of me. And let me just tell you one more thing, because there was this missing part of the story, which was where, well, just before I got the Quran, um, I was swimming in Malibu, in, in kind of, I was like, uh, you know, California there, and, um, and I went out for a swim, and there was no one else really swimming that day, so it wasn't clever, and I did that. And then suddenly, wow, I, I think I was, I'm going to try and make my way back. And of course, at that point, I realized I ain't going to make it. You know, you've got fractions of seconds to decide what to do next. And I didn't have any hesitation. And I said, God, if you save me, I'll work for you. <laughs> and then a wave came, a small wave, and just took me. And I, I had everything I needed now to get back. So people could say, oh, that's a coincidence. Hey, that's the most important coincidence that's ever happened in my life. As they say, coincidence is sometimes the way that God keeps himself anonymous. But this was no anonymous. This was me and God. And, and you know, later I found, then the Quran came to me. And later, of course, I find that verse in the Quran. It says, oh, when the, when the storm comes and they're at sea, they make their religion pure for God. <laughs> so all these steps and signs you know, I was reading and were bringing me closer and closer. What could I do? Russell, what could I do? <laughs> I had to submit. That's it. Yeah, I really identify with what you're saying about recognizing that instead of looking for some peculiar dualistic uh, proof of God, you know, the lightning flash or the voice from on high, see in all things the divine beauty of nature and the potent intellect that we can read as being behind it. I identify strongly with that. I recognize those moments of terrified communion with God. And I identify too with what you're saying about feeling that God is all, that you've always, it seems like you've always had this yearning, this longing to be at one with God I recognize that as well because when you're very famous you're invited to kind of participate in this illusion of infallibility or it does function as a kind of yes a kind of materialist ideology or theology almost that you know you, this is permanent somehow like I read once you know, who who are these powerful men who is the powerful man doesn't matter what you build up around you it's going nothing is permanent what is your power based on where does your power come from who is this power really i i recognize this strongly and i've had a, 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 a i would argue less dramatic and less severe uh version of, of of what you're describing a sense that that the, the answer is god the answer is god and i'm it's still something that i'm trying to understand and still something that i'm still working with did you is it true that you didn't you sort of were out of the public eye for 20 years is that true that you converted you converted to islam and then just disappeared 
Well, it didn't disappear. I mean, what happened? I got family, I'm married, and then I got kids. And then from that, I, I started to develop this incredible sense of responsibility about these children. I said, I'm not going to send my kids to like an ordinary school where they're not going to teach them anything about, you know, I would say the most important facet of being human, which is morality. And if you ain't got morality, well, you know, what kind of human are you? So then uh-huh. I, I needed, I needed to, then I got involved in education. And like that was, wow, that was this like me discovering Solomon's minds, you know, with all this finding out what goes on underneath this kind of structure we call education. That was like, wow, it was a revelation to me. And I, I just got so involved in it. And I started schools and, you know, so that so I didn't disappear. I got very involved and then I got into, uh, we, we sort of founded a, an international aid agency. You know, we were some of the first out there in Ethiopia um, when Live Aid was coming on, you know, board. And, um, so that I was so, 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 so busy. So the question which I think you want to ask is, maybe, um, is, well, what brought you back to the guitar? You know? No, in a way, I'm interested. I recognise that, you know, that it is, yeah, what we're doing, wasting your time founding an international aid agency and it's founding schools and having children i recognize that's of much much more value than uh playing the game of celebrity and keeping a an army of publicists and agents and music executives afloat and suspending yourself in a egoic meaningless illusion of reality it's like you yeah you went into the truth of things and um, i i'm very interested in that that's because i suppose i find myself in a comparable place i've got young children i don't want to send my young children into the kind of institutions that you're describing i'm very interested in truth i'm interested in morality ethics i'm interested in changing the world and uh, uh, in a meaningful way and creating systems adjacent to our current corrupt systems that are not based on morality but perhaps based on on its opposite so um yeah i'm not i don't want to rush forward to the bit where you sort of a performing again or participating in industry necessarily i am interested in how you had the confidence and certainty to evacuate your life of celebrity well that that was that was my joseph moment it was like me you know like for so long i'd had this other identity and and, you know and and it was me coming out and and being like me uh as a as a as simply as possible without all the kind of uh, decorations and surroundings and, 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 and lights and, you know, and band. I don't need that. I don't need that. So, so when it came to telling my family, you know, they, they kind of, they got it. They got it. But, you know, after that, letting people know. And then I started getting the experience of what it feels like to be a Muslim. And, and you know, I was part of the majority. I was up there. I was up there. And now I'm part of the minority. And now people are saying, oh, cat on the mat and things like that. And um, I'm, I'm sort of, I'm really, really starting to feel what kind of prejudice uh, exists. You know, I, I knew that prejudice because I've been through it. Don't forget, my father's Greek. Um, and, and so, but I, I broke through that. And then I realized how far some people are from being able to judge uh, you know, with a with a correct measure, what they are seeing. 
Yeah, I mean, that sounds to me deeply fascinating. How devout uh, were you and are you? Are you uh, praying five times a day? Are you immersed in a, a, a Muslim community, or presumably so, given what you're saying about education and Muslim aid agencies? And where where has that where have you been physically? Where have you been living and stuff? Well, now I'm in Dubai, but it's been a long journey to get to where I am today. And and, and here in Dubai, I mean, you you may you may love it, you may hate it because it's got all the um, it's got all those buildings which I, I sang you know I sang about and I said you know skyscrapers and the building higher and why and you know and you'll never reach the sky. So um, there's this kind of thing, but. I'm here in this country, and, and um, I would say that because of this lockdown, there's very little community, you know, life going on at the moment. Um, but you know, getting getting to this point, I, I I've also gone through many many changes as a Muslim. In the beginning, I, and I, I pray five times a day. Absolutely no problem with that. It's so you know so easy to do. And that is, by the way, it's just keeping your connection with God. So you don't kind of go slipping off somewhere and then maybe you can't see me. You know, no. So, um, yes, I'm very devout in that way. Um, and in the beginning, you know, I heard a lot of voices within the Muslim community. And some of them were very, very strict. And you can imagine, you know, when Saudi Arabia was like flowing and the oil and everything was like so expensive where they were getting all that money. Um, and, and, you know, they really... Um, they decided what was the Islam which which most people should you know live with um, in the in the Muslim world, and um, and so I was influenced in a way by that kind of thing you know because you know you, you, you I'm a new newcomer you know I'm not going to tell anybody how to do things I've got to learn so I went uh -huh. through that whole learning curve and then when things when you start to see what happened. And how bad that became when, when people started taking to extremism, taking things to extreme. Um, and that's where I just go back, I go back to the Quran and the Quran keeps on reminding that, you know, this, this, we're not the salt, we're not the policemen of this earth, really. We should be policing ourselves. That's our job. We should not be. Yeah, I know we've got to do, and there, there, it's good to have a police force and everything like that. But, you know, police originally, I'm sure you know, probably, I think, uh, were, were, were invented, I think, maybe to just secure the banks in the first place. As you've got the Metropolitan Police. Yeah, we're guarding the banks. We're not guarding the people. You know, so, so anyway, I've got a little, little axe there. But anyway. Um, so, <laughs> so what I'm saying is, we are our own police. So we don't have to enforce, because there's going to be a day of judgment. That's what I believe, absolutely, absolutely. And we all know about it. It's like called payday. It's payday. It's like what you've done and what you haven't done and what you did wrong. You just got to be in a good place with God to try and get some forgiveness on that day because we all have been doing something which we shouldn't have. Yeah. So anyway, so that's yeah. that's my... So I went through a lot of, you know, changes in developing an understanding of going back and back and back to the Quran where I keep on finding the answers. And it says in the Quran, you know, don't bother with them. If 
If that's the way they want to be, don't bother with them. God will take care of them. You know, he'll address that problem. I can see, or at least I can hear from listening to you, why Islam is regarded as a threat even beyond extremism because there is, well, the word radicalism obviously is, um, you know, depends from whose perspective, but from, from a... For, given what you just said, for example, about the police being founded to protect the interests of the powerful, specifically the banks, it is radical to, to, to pose an alternative set of morals and ethics that are separate from those uh, financially incentivized systems. It's radical to say that the most important thing a person can do is ensure their connection to God is straight, that you can... Uh, that you can marshal your own primal drives, your own selfishness, your own greed, and achieve a degree of self-mastery precisely through submission and surrender to a higher self. I can see why that, that ideals such as those would be a threat. It's also interesting to reflect, given um, you know your position as a famous Muslim on the... Uh, complexity that there is of course not one Islam the same way as there's not one Christianity and there's not one America not one England Sunni and Shia and Sufism and mystical sects and politicized aspects it seems of course that what you are interested in is the sort of mystical the, the sort of intersection of, of mysticism, mysticism and ethics where where we interface with the unseen and the invisible and the unknown and how that impacts our behavior and our agency as human beings. And I suppose you're very well positioned as a musical artist to create songs and stories that demonstrate and uh, the, the, those ideas. Yeah, for sure. I mean... I'm in the business of sensitivity, you know, and that's what music is. It's it's all to do with the senses and 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 being sensitive to to the story and understanding the story. So you have father and son, for instance, a great, you know, um example of of the interaction between the two generations and and about there was much more going on. And so this as a songwriter I first got inspired to write that song because I was thinking about the Russian Revolution. I was trying to write a musical about the Russian Revolution. <laughs> yeah, simple thing to do. And um, and in the end, um, when, when Chris Blackwell heard the song, he said, you've got to join my label. So then it all went a different way. But my idea for that song was always that the son wanted not to stay on the land with the father and keep on, you know, farming the land and all that as, 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 as a peasant. And it was a peaceful life, but... He wanted to join the big march. And so we are commentators, you know, as songwriters, we, we can be very interesting commentators. And, and as far as, you know, picking up on sensitivities, even before music, I was an artist. And so like, I'm, I'm, I'm observing, I'm observing things. And you, you, you too, you understand, you, you know what I'm talking about. You, you're, you're picking up on these little things that maybe someone else doesn't, doesn't pick up on. And, and then you have a responsibility, I think, and I always felt that in the second career particularly, uh, to, to your fans and those people who follow you. Um, it's, it's a big responsibility. And so I would have been a, a massive hypocrite if I'd have found what I was looking for and then went on singing, you know, or 
continuing um, with that kind of lifestyle when I knew that this is what I was looking for. And, and, and so therefore it was, it was very difficult for some people to accept that. There's a lot of um, people out there who, you know, are, are on a journey. They're all, everyone's on a journey. Everyone's on a journey. Um, but you, sometimes you need someone who comes out of the cave, like you know the story about Plato's cave, right? The guys and, and everybody's watching all these shadows on the wall. They think, this is it. This is it. I know what's going on. Oh, well, I can see what's going on. Oh, he's going to go. And then, but this guy takes an excursion out of the cave. My God, he finds this beautiful world with this like glorious sun, you know, and, and blue skies and birds and everything. And then he tries to go back and tell them. And then they see him as a threat because they don't want to disturb the show. So that's the story of Plato, story of the shadows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was very, very beautifully rendered. Are you uh, happy and at peace? How do, is it working for you, you? The spiritual life is it successful? Yes, my brother. Yes. <sighs> that's that's lovely to know. That's reassuring to know. So, what are you going to do next? Well, we've got. We've got things, you know, I mean, I'm involved in a lot of, I'm still writing. You can see my guitar, I don't know, maybe you can't see my guitar, but there's my guitar. And um, so I'm writing, I've got my little studio here. I don't know if you've, uh, everybody's doing these garage, you know, sessions. So I've been doing a lot of that. But um, there's a whole lot, I've been writing my autobiography. And, you know, probably next year it'll be published. Mm. Um, but along with that, Biography, by the way, uh, autobiography is uh, an interesting thing I've been doing and I've been illustrating it. So every chapter has got mm. kind of a little illustration um, of what I remembered, of what, what is significant for me. Um, I'm also very involved in that international charity thing is kind of, that's, that ended quite a few years ago, but uh, I'm still very involved in, in charity. We've made Peace Train a kind of a, 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 um, a way of delivering food, and charity to people. And right now in Beirut, you know, we've got like shipments going over. Shipments, I don't say shipments, they're not massive. But, you know, we're trying our best to help wherever we can deliver food. Because it's based on, this, by the way, is based on a saying of the prophet, peace be upon him. And he said, very simple, very simple philosophy. He said, feed the hungry, spread peace. Feed the hungry, Spread peace. What? You know, when you've got billions of people today starving and everybody, you know, and they're talking about, I'm sorry, but, you know, going to the Mars? Wow. So we've got to get our priorities, right? So I do that kind of thing. I'm involved in, um, in, in writing, um, you know, new songs. I've actually got a musical somewhere hidden. I'm not going to let anybody know about it. What did I just say? Anyway. Um, <laughs> I hope it's on the Russian Revolution. <laughs> no, I, I've still got to do that one. I've got to find a stage big enough. The problem is today. <laughs> Theatre's a shot. Yeah, that's beautiful. How do you feel when Islam is maligned, when these differences, the ideological differences between people are highlighted and used to... to, to 
shock, I don't know, to sort of stoke tension, to create alienation, when uh, cultural artifacts and religious paraphernalia and regala and dress are the subject of uh, prejudice. And uh, how, how do you feel and how do you feel that that can be overcome? Well, yeah, that's, that's a good question. I mean, one of the problems, let's say, even in schools, you know, when they're, te- when they're teaching about religion, so in other words, that, when I was looking at my kids and thinking about, you know, what school I'm going to send them to, that was one of the problems. I mean, even when you have a kind of a very, very well-meaning uh, teacher who wants to do his best, but, you know, they're talking about prayer, prayer beads and prayer mats and minarets and, you know, and halal food and this and that. And, uh, yeah, about prayer. But the ho- and, and then they say, and then they pray uh, to Mecca. Well, hang on. We don't pray to Mecca. We pray to God. And Mecca, you know, there's the building there which was built by Abraham. He's our prophet. No, you don't, you missed it. You know, so, so many things like that. So I wrote a song very early on for my daughter. Such a simple title. A is for Allah. I thought, well, yeah, who nobody thought of that before? Yes, I wrote that song because it talks about the, the, the kind of the essence um, of, of, of faith rather than apples you know, cats, balls, um, whatever else, you know, you can come up with, with with an alphabet. So anyway, what I'm saying is the um, the, uh, the the education, where the way in which people perceive, they've all, everybody's been educated. So at some point, you would have learned something about Islam. But where did you learn it from? And what was, this, what was it all about? And how deep did it go? You can't blame people for not knowing much. No, I suppose not. And there are so I consider that if we are not con- if we are not in our conscious mind, we are in our unconscious mind. I feel that my um, personal faith is built upon trying to let go of my individualistic and egoic perspective and allowing a higher consciousness to guide me and I feel that many of our institutions cultural and educational media and school systems are dominated by a kind of unconsciousness and I feel that probably my earliest uh, experiences of Islam would have been through a lens of bigotry and ignorance as and unconscious imperialist colonialist perspectives and even prior to the sort of modern adversary between uh, sort of Islamic nations or Islamic ideology and Christian or post-Christian secular ideology even prior to that there's always been a kind of territorial conflict between yeah you know whether it's the crusades or the domination of, of, of Jerusalem or the Middle East there's always been I suppose, uh, economic interests and power that have governed the opinions and views of, uh, you know, people that grew up in the kind of cultures that you did and I did. And it can be quite challenging to decondition yourself to let go of that. Interesting thing. I had a memory. I have a memory of something that happened in my primary school, in the Roman Catholic, you know, environment that I was in. And I do remember... Um, for one of the projects, and I used to be an artist, so the teachers used to love giving me projects so I could get, and they said, look at what little Stephen has done. Oh, very good. Uh, but 
at one point I was given a project and it was about Muhammad. And I, I remember this vivid, vividly, this, this drawing I did of, of the Prophet Muhammad riding a camel in the desert. I thought, what, what were the nuns doing, teaching, you know, telling us about this? And I can't remember for the life of me how that happened, but it did. And it's kind of engraved in my mind. It's a problem because I don't understand how it happened and why. Um, but, you know, we're, you know, there were other, other times, let me just refer to later on in life, when, when you know, when, uh, when, uh, when you see well, Turkey, for instance, you know, and you see a Turkish flag, and from the Greek point of view, that was like, it's a red light. It's a red light. You know, you don't go there. And, and, and I was... Never convinced, uh, well, but I wasn't totally convinced, but I, I went along with it, you know. But when I found something else, I realized that now when, when the Turks listen to me, they want me to tell them what, they, what I think Islam is because they're getting it. They say, you know, well, maybe we uh, got a little bit too nationalistic on this issue. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but they love me because of that, because I'm, I'm kind of like a free agent, even within the Muslim community, to be able to kind of remind people um, of some of the most important things that they've already got and they just haven't reviewed. Pandemic aside, do you spend time uh, in the Muslim community performing or speaking and attending uh, sort of religious events? No, not really. Not, not anymore because uh, I'm 72. Oh. Yeah. And uh, I don't know why I said that, but... Um, but I, I feel it's important, and, and, uh, <laughs> and it means I can't run around that much anymore. You know, I do my, you know, my exercises and things, and I do swimming, and um, but you know, now I communicate like this. I mean, what we do, and that's why I'm writing. So that's why I came back to you know communication through the medium of, of, of music and song, because there's so much you can do to to to, to if you like inspire people to something that. Your imagination, it begins with your imagination in a way, but it's not really imagination because you're visualizing. It's a vision. It's a vision. And you're sharing this vision with somebody and it's getting bigger and bigger. And that's great. And we've, that's why we are responsible as musicians, as, as artists, as you know, uh, people who, who can influence others. We have a responsibility. And in that respect, I hope I'm doing my best. Yes. Yes, that is an important alchemy that takes place, the ability to vision, envisage new worlds and bring them about, as given that all cultural systems and artifacts must pass through the imagination first of one individual, then a multitude for the establishment of a nation, of a faith, of a religious or romantic idea. It does require that, and that does bring about that brings about change. And I suppose it must be acknowledged that during a few decades where there's been a great deal of antipathy towards Islam and uh, fear and, 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 and aggression, that um, you have been a kind of uh, touchstone of, oh, well, but what about uh, Youssef Islam, Youssef Cat Stevens? What he, he like? Because I suppose there is so much uh, love and tenderness and sensitivity and poetry and gentle imagery and passion and sort of folkish wisdom in your music that it's, um, uh, yes, it is human. It's humanizing. So I suppose it's 
functioned as a conduit and a point of contact in times of adversary. So that's a, a valuable thing. It is. And, you know, and it's a way in which we can remove barriers, you know, all these conceptions, because we join somehow there's a kind of mystical or whatever it is. It's a kind of a, an experience when we all listen to a song together. We're joined in a way, by those notes and by those words. I mean, I can't forget the Beatles, you know. I mean, my God, what happened in those days? It was like we were just, we were the Beatles. You know, everybody was a Beatle. And we all belonged to that. And, and, and when, we, when the new song came out, we were united behind it. And so sometimes, and if it's, it's the same in the classical um, orchestra. You can imagine, you've got one guy, he's, like, he's learned violin all his life. It doesn't really work. But when he's with that orchestra, and when there's an audience, that becomes a sublime moment of unity, human unity and togetherness. And that's why, you know, music is so, is so important to so many people, because that's the only time that they really unite. Sometimes, you know, there may be other things, but um, usually once they leave the theater, it's time, time to argue again, you know. But there, you're united. It's beautiful. Yes, yes, that we can feel community and harmony, that we are afforded that even in a, a, a cultural context that is often about your value as an individual and how you can participate in economics, what your financial value is. In those, there are moments of transcendence that can be afforded through art, even if that art does usually end up becoming commodified, or at least that's its primary value within the context of the systems that create it. Yes, yes, it is a good way of um, smuggling beauty into the world, huh? It is. Uh, well, you know, it's... Um, and, and beauty is God. And God made. Yes. God made. You know, so when it's anything ugly... You can be sure, usually, that man's behind it. <laughs> There's something yeah. that man has been interfering with, um, you know, because you leave it or you, you allow it to grow in its own no natural sunlight and its own natural environment, and things will work out. I mean, this pandemic has definitely, I think it's, you know, it's for many people, I hope, it would be a, a way of remembering what's important you know, kind of, you know, our, our, our very breathing is important. Our very breath. You know, when, when some people are, catch this thing, they, they've lost it. You know, they, they can't even breathe anymore. And that's like, wow. You know, and then we realize how valuable this is. And, and then we start to share. But then it's not easy to share in this particular pandemic because everybody has to stay separate and, you know, distanced from each other. It's a very strange time that we're, we're going through. It's a very curious lesson. Do you, so do you believe that, do you think that everybody should convert? Do you think that everyone should become Muslim? Or do you think it's just important that people have their own conception of God and connection to God? And that, that's, that's not going to happen. I mean, if, it, if anything happens at all in the way of what we might call, you know, the peace train ideal, which is, you know, everybody riding on the peace train. Um, there, there's something which, which is very important, which converges Judaism, Islam, and Christianity. 
And that is, many people may not know this, but um, the belief in Islam is that Jesus will return, right? So at that point, there will be some period, a period however long, um, where there will be peace. There'll have to be a battle before that because there's an antichrist, right? That has to get through that. But uh, once you get to that point, there is that. When it comes to how the world is today and how it, even the Quran itself, there's a, there's a verse of the Quran which says, um, you know, it's, it's kind of, it's very, it's very fair. It says, oh, you who disbelieve, you know, you will not believe what I believe and I will not believe what you believe. You will not believe what I believe. To you, your religion, to me, mine. Well, Come on, that's, that's kind of, I think, a great template for, um, for the way in which we need to approach the subject of um, individualism and, and one's own culture and how, how, to, how to deal with that. Um, but I think a lot of Muslims as well, would, some Muslims would be looking at other Muslims and saying, what's your religion? He said, I'm a Muslim, but, but hang on, you're a Shia and he's a Sunni. And, you know, oh God. That's why they like me to give some talk, like occasional talks about, you know, how I how I came became a Muslim because they go, whew, wow, that's great. I can relax, you know, go back to square one. Yes, hearing you talk, it feels like there's a so much love of uh, nature and beauty and connection and creativity and that. Islam spoke to you personally and provided your salvation and provided your unity, uh, a sense of unity in, within you. But uh, that that you, it seems that you're saying that we need the main thing is that we need to find God, that we need to re revere nature again, that we need to revere one another and love one another. And you know, when you talk about your early life growing up in the West End, you know, that you were living in the seat of hedonism, that you had one very sort of sectarian set of beliefs that you were born with, and then another set of sectarian beliefs that you learned from. And in, in a way, we're not generally speaking, in for example, England, afforded a kind of template or ladder to to realize the divine to realize the the god that is within us to find that point of access to ex to be offered that invitation to submission from which real freedom can come uh, you know only from that submission as long as i, I am um live in retention of my e egoic individualized power i'm always dominated i always have to be accompanied by fear and disappointment and the, the yeah imminent death yeah but, but i do believe in education i do believe that if you work hard enough at it you know and and try to make things clear and um discernible for people making making it clear in other words i mean you know cartoons can do it come on um, even, you, you know, you, you can use art in, in, in many ways and films, but the way in which the, the whole, it's going is so sick, you know, the, the way in which blood, it's everywhere, you know, and then no wonder we're seeing it everywhere because it's all being projected to us. Um, but there is another side to it all. There is another side to it. And, and that's where, um, you know, I, I, that's where I want to be. That's where I want to help people to be. So education, I think if, as I said about the Quran, one of the things that struck me, it kept on saying, will you not think? You know, well, come on, that's, that's it. If you, if, you, if you 
take a bit of time and think about it without the influence of anybody else over your shoulder, you know, telling you how to interpret this thing, you may come to a point of similarity with, um, with the precepts, which are built into actually all religion <laughs> and what we've made of it, you know. So it's, it's a mess. It's a mess. But go back to that and you'll find there's so much centralism because it's all basically one. You know, one, there is only one in the end. Um, we call it universe. Well, some people think that that's it. The, the limit is physicality, you know, and that's it. But it is one in any way you look at it. Yes. Yusef, thank you so much. Thank you very much for this uh, wonderful conversation, for this opportunity communi to communicate with you and learn from you and to get to know a little of your beautiful perspective and your incredible journey. I thank you so much for not only for this conversation, but for all, all of everything you've done. I enjoyed it so much too. And I've learned a bit. <laughs> I've learned a great deal. Sometimes it comes <laughs> out, you. it comes out and you say, who said that? <laughs> thank you Yusef you're a beautiful man thank you peace cheers man peace hey I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Yusef Cat Stevens remember to sign up to my, my mailing list at russellbrand.com and my YouTube channel get onto all of that stuff I'm providing putting out a lot of free content on the mailing list at the moment and I'm doing some live gigs and some online gigs physical gigs you know so uh, start, just sign up to that because where I announce things first all right, I love you guys. And if you enjoyed that, maybe have a listen to Yanavi Harrison or Amanda Palmer or Shepard Fairey. And keep checking out my uh, YouTube channel for new videos about spirituality and politics and all that kind of stuff. All right, that was Under the Skin from Luminary.